welcome to the Thrive Life Podcast with Roy Alexander. This is episode number six, and I have to tell you guys, I am super, super excited about this episode. Um, it's something that I've been telling people to do for a long time, and uh, to be honest, there was a... There wasn't really a lot of talk about it, and uh, it was kind of ignored a lot, um, and I didn't really know there was a ton of research going on into it, but I was actually listening to a podcast on my own uh, about mm, three weeks ago, I guess, and it just got me super excited for this episode. That podcast was Found Your Fitness by Dr. Oh, let me see what was her name again. I can't believe I just forgot it. Found Your Fitness is the name of the podcast by Dr. Rhonda Patrick. That's it. And Dr. Rhonda Patrick, I don't know if you listen to her or not, um, but you really, really should. She has an excellent podcast. Now, it does tend to be pretty scientific. Um, she tries to dumb it down as much as she can, but it's still very scientific. For instance, I told my friend, I said, listen, I'm going to be doing a podcast on um, sort of the subject she's talking about, um, and you, but you really should try to listen to her podcast because it's about an, you know, it's an hour long. It's really good and has to kind of, it's kind of relevant to her situation. And uh, I said, oh, did you listen to it? She said, yeah. I said, well, did you enjoy it? She says, I, I didn't understand a thing that she was talking about. I said, okay, well, basically what Rhonda does, what Dr. Rhonda does, she, she – uh, she takes, you know, those, those scientific journals, you know, the ones that we can't read. Uh, she takes those and she breaks them down into what you would read maybe in like a really high-end medical magazine. Um, so, you know, so the magazine, uh, you know, that, that this made it maybe medical students and stuff would read. So she takes the stuff that we can't read at all, kind of breaks it down on the stuff that's difficult for us to understand. And then what I'm going to do today is I'm going to break it down into like the men's health version. Uh, and I hope I get most of my facts right, um, because you know there's a, she talks she talks about a lot of things. Um, you know she throws a lot of different names out there and different enzyme names and different pathways and different gene names. So it can get a little overwhelming sometimes. I, I actually listened to her podcast eight times, uh, eight times. And I got about six pages of notes. So. Um, we're going to be talking about what she talked about a lot. We're also going to be talking about something else that uh, I've really liked. So what is it we're talking about today? Well. Let's start with this. It looks like detoxes exist. I know, I know, I know. I'm the one that's always said I've been very much bashing detoxes, all these green juice detoxes. And yeah, I'm the first one to say, well, can you tell me which chemical or, or what toxin that your detox is supposedly getting rid of? And you know what? Nobody's ever been able to. Every juice guy I know that owns a juice company has said, oh, yeah, this is a detox. It's going to help detox your system, flush all the toxins. I go, oh, that sounds great. Uh, can you just tell me which toxins? Well, you know, it's just it's, it's the body's toxins. I'm like, okay, well, every toxin has a name. So can you tell me which toxin it's getting rid of? You know, and they've never been able to. So, you know, there's really no scientific evidence on these cleanses and detoxes until now. There is, there is one, and we're going to talk about it today, and it's pretty exciting. So, what am I talking about? So, what is this amazing thing that has got me so excited to talk about green vegetables? You're probably sitting here right now going, how can anybody be this excited about green vegetables? Well, it's because I've been telling people for a long time to do this and to eat these things and the reasons behind it. And, you know, there, there, was, there was really no, nothing backing me up a lot, you know. Um, so it's just really awesome that the science, that the research has come so far that it's, to be honest, the research has gone so much further than I even knew about. 
Um, I learned so much stuff that is so interesting. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about sulforaphane, okay? Sulforaphane is an extremely powerful, natural, uh, it's an enzyme, or it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's found inside um, cruciferous vegetables, okay? So when you eat cruciferous vegetables, you get, um, you get certain amounts of this um, enzyme called sephorophane. And with sephorophane, it's, it's got different strengths in different vegetables. So, you know, uh, what are cruciferous vegetables? That's things like broccoli, uh, cabbage, uh, watercress, kale, spinach, all those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, everybody's been on this kale kick, kale kick, kale kick. And I've, I've never, I'm not anti-kale, don't get me wrong, but I was just like, you know what? Give kale a rest. Like, it's not the all and end all like you think it is. I know Scarlett Johansson told you she used it to get in shape for, like, the first Avengers movie. But, but honestly, people get over it. Um, there are so many other things that are just as good. And what I'm going to talk about today blows kale right out of the water. I mean, we're talking about an, an, an enzyme that is very, you know, you can't say it prevents cancer. But it's probably one of the strongest, strongest um, you know, evidence that it probably does. It also is looks like it could probably slow down aging. Um, it looks like it can grow back your hair. Uh, it can stop um, inflammation. So it may have, it's been shown to have positive effects on behavior, such as depression and Alzheimer's disease and other different diseases. So we're going to just go into a little bit of it all today because it's just such an exciting stuff. Now, you're probably saying, okay, well, what's the best form? So what she talked about mostly, and I'm going to be talking about three things, okay? And I would like to start off, actually, with a quote by Cato the Elder that she had. Cato the Elder was a Roman, um, uh, Roman farmer, uh, but he was also kind of a statesman, you know, those, you know, how it all worked back then. And basically, he said, cabbage cures all. Now, his was longer. It's something like cabbage boiled or cooked with oil and vinegar cures all but they knew about you know they didn't know what sephorophane was but they knew about cruciferous vegetables and how healthy they were a long time ago so while he went around talking about cabbage and how amazing cabbage is for you you had hippocrates who was big on watercress so the greeks were no strangers to the health benefits of another plant called watercress now watercress is something that i eat a lot of there's a salad bar that i like to go to and um i really don't bother with the lettuce at all i load up on the watercress watercress is just one of those things i've been doing for a long time watercress and cabbage because watercress um, you know, it was used during World War II when there was a famine going on because of the amount of nutrients in it. It was, it's, it was almost like a meal replacement. It had, it was, it honestly, guys, is the original superfood. Unfortunately, over time, um, I don't guess after World War II, everybody had it so much. It started becoming a garnish and it almost became like a parsley where, you know, only the high-end fancy restaurants served a little bit of it. Maybe you got a little bit of on top of your soup, but to be honest it really is the the original superfood and hippocrates like i said when he founded the first hospital on the island of kos in around 400 bc he actually grew watercress in the natural springs and he used it to help treat blood disorders so we are talking like over 2000 years ago he was using it to treat blood disorders then you got so that's greece then you got the roman yeah i was talking about cato the elder 
he was using it. Uh, he was using cabbage, and he said cabbage cures all. So we've known about cruciferous vegetables and how healthy they are, but when we want to talk about sephorphane, because we're going to talk about the active, active ingredient, which is sephorphane, like I said before, there's these different, um, there's different amounts of it in plants. So basically, the best way to get it right now, if you want to get the highest amounts of sephorphane, is actually in broccoli sprouts. Now, a lot of people say to me, well, what's a broccoli sprout? I say, well, you know what a broccoli is, yeah? You know what a seed is, yeah? Well, it's in that between stage. So you grow the broccoli. It's, it's quite easy, actually. If you go to YouTube, you will see a ton of videos on how to grow your own sprouts. It's really not that difficult. Um, I'm actually going to start doing it using the jar method, um, where you just kind of throw the seeds in a jar, and then you rinse them with a bit of paper towel. You rinse them, and you, you, and you rinse them a couple times a day. And basically what happens is they just grow inside the jar. You can also do in the soil. Um, if you have the area and you want to do a soil, you kind of want to have your own little... Um, you know, inside garden, you can do that as well. Um, but I think I'm just going to do the jars. Now, in the part two follow-up to her podcast, because it was a, it was such a great podcast that she had another special guest on after, um, one of the leading researchers on Forfane. And he actually said the number one way to get it is actually in the broccoli seed. The broccoli seed has even more potence of Forfane than the broccoli sprouts. Uh, which, of course, she said that she's going to try to just eat the seeds. He said, of course, they're very bitter, and he really doesn't really suggest that they'd be very good. Um, where the sprouts, of course, you can throw them in salads and everything like that. So um, you guys might hear some motorbikes behind me. It's because I am in the middle of uh, Bangkok, so it can be a little bit noisy here from time to time. No matter what you do, you cannot escape a city that does not sleep. Um, so anyways, he talked about broccoli seeds. So what we're going to do is we're just going to start looking a bit into um, sephorphane and kind of some of some different numbers and uh, really kind of just the I don't want to get I'm not going to get in all in percentage and everything like she did because you don't really care about basically what there is this I'm going to start what things that it reduces and things that it increases so sephorphane like I said is the most powerful natural activator of a genetic pathway called NRF2 now, the NRF2 pathway is extremely important because it controls over 200 genes. Okay, so genes are those little things that turn on and off other, uh, they turn on and off processes in the body. So, you know, you have a certain gene that will, for instance, allow, you know, increase white blood cells, to, you know, for immunity. Um, so the, the, the genes that this one controls, there's anti-cancer genes. Uh, there's genes for positive effects, I guess, on behavior, genes for aging, uh, genes for helping discrete certain toxins, uh, genes to help inf uh, anti-inflammation, genes to help lower cardiovascular disease. So there's all these different genes. And, and what it does is it, it positively affects all those genes. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at um, just a few things, actually. We'll, we'll go through just a whole list. So... A 40% decrease, so they had different patients, obviously, so when they were testing this, there was a 40% decrease in prostate cancer risk for people who ate cruciferous vegetables. Now, I'm not going to talk about uh, how many servings. It was one serving or two serving a month. So let's just say if you have a, a couple servings, a couple solid servings of, you know, some cruciferous vegetables, preferably broccoli sprouts or um, younger broccoli, you know, um, then you're going to, you know, you, 
you're going to be setting yourself up for some amazing, excellent benefits. So 40% decrease in prostate cancer risk, 40 44% lower cases of bladder cancer. Now, this is really interesting. They took smokers, and not smokers who had quit smoking, smokers who were still smoking, and there was a 55% reduction in lung cancer risks. So that is really interesting. So a 55% reduction in lung cancer risk. And then they also looked at women and breast cancer. And women that ate cruciferous vegetables on the regular basis had a 17 to 50% decrease in breast cancer risks. So those are huge, guys. Those are some of the some of some of those you know those cancers you hear a lot about. And we're talking not insignificant numbers. We're not talking 2%, 3%. We're talking in the teens, the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. Um, it's even been shown, you know, people with cancer. Um, bladder, uh, bladder cancer, 57% reduction in bladder cancer mortality. So that means people dying from bladder cancer, there is a 57% reduction and a 53% reduction in all cancer mortality. So, and that was based on about 4.5 servings per month. So we're talking 1.125 servings a week. So a 53% reduction in all cancer mortalities. So the reason she talked about broccoli sprouts, as I said, is because they contain 100 times more sulforaphane than the broccoli itself. So how does it do this? How does it affect cancer in these ways? Well, first of all, it works in a couple ways. The first way is it shuts down the phase one biotransformation enzyme. Um, this BTE transforms potential carcinogens. Uh, it, so what it does is these uh, biotransformation enzymes, they transform potential carcinogens, so things that are in your system that can cause carcinogens. So it, these BTEs um, will take things that maybe carcinogenic and make them carcinogenic so it actually shuts down that phase so it takes these things that are going to create carcinogens in your body and it shuts that system down preventing the creation of carcinogens now in a study of rats that were given a structure that could cause cancer so they purposely took rats and they gave them uh, they gave them something that was going to purposely they were trying to give them cancer 96% of rats got cancer However, only 38% of the rats giving sephoraphane develop cancer. So th only 38%, they had two groups, 96% in one group got it, but in the other group that was given sephoraphane, only 38% got it. And those that did ended up having much smaller tumors than the other ones. So their tumors were significantly smaller than the ones that did not have sephoraphane. So, this is gigantic. And then you look at breast cancer. Basically, what happens is um, there's an increase in a gene called NQ01, which helps protect a tumor suppressor gene. So when patients took it, sulforaphane, what happened was the women, they actually found minute, minute, minute amounts of it in the actual breast tissue itself, which means that sulforaphane actually makes its way and rests within the breast. Uh, tissue. So that obviously cannot be a bad thing. So that sounds like it's a very, very good thing. Now, um, you know, there's in mice, sulforaphane inhibits the 
um, the growth of breast cancer stem cells. So when they gave mice uh, sephoraphane, it actually inhibited the growth of breast of uh, stem cells that cause breast cancer. So, guys, when we're talking about cancer here, this thing, this sephoraphane and cruciferous vegetables, it is looking like the master. So that's the one way we talked about it. Now, this is the second way, which is the excretion. So what it does is we said before there was the phase one, which was the shutting down of the biotransformation enzymes. The second way is by excretion or getting rid of something. So phase one shuts things down. Phase two actually helps you excrete it. So the it helps the forfane activates phase two detox enzymes via the NRF2 pathway. Okay, so what it does is it takes the carcinogenic agents and transforms them into lesser water soluble conjugates that you can pee out. So it takes those toxins that are prefer that could be potentially cancerous. So actually, takes sorry, takes the actual carcinogenic compounds themselves and helps pee it out. So. Let's talk about the detoxing, because I was going to talk about the detoxes, because that leads us into detoxing. So what two uh, toxins does this affect? So this is the question where I always catch the, uh, where I always catch the, uh, you know, the juice guys. So uh, benzene, okay, so where do you get benzene from? Benzene, which has been highly linked to causing leukemia, okay, Sp specifically leukemia is found in car and air pollution uh, and also smokes from cigarettes and gasoline fumes. So think about that. Do you live in a city? Are there cars around you? Do you go to the gas station? Is there anybody that smokes? Then you are breathing in benzene. And sephoraphane helps to actually get you to distract. You pee out the benzene carcinogens. Now, the other one is acaline. Okay, which is also formed in heated foods. I'm sure you guys have heard of this before. You know, when you have the toast and you, you burn any kind of food, you get the black on it. That's why they always talk about how barbecued foods and foods cooked at high temperatures are cancerous. Well, sephoraphane has been shown to help excrete that as well by up to 23%. So, you know, this is just some amazing stuff. Now, tobacco. Uh, has specific car lung carcinogens um, that can be suppressed, and this is uh, this is the other one I want to talk about. Why watercress? Now, watercress and 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 broccoli, they have and I can iso iso isothionates, and what those are is that's the compound that you you actually get inside the the sprout. So what you actually get is the isothionate, which gets converted into sephoraphane. So watercress has a different one than broccoli, but they don't turn into sephoraphane, but they just are slightly uh, different. So tobacco lung carcinogens have been highly linked to um, you know, watercress helps to suppress those uh, a lot. So, you know, when I looked at watercress, like I said, I've been eating watercress for a long time. So we can actually look at some watercress here and we can read a few details about watercress. So the benefits of watercress, on top of focusing mainly on the upper respiratory, the lungs, the upper lungs in smokers, is it also may help reduce the risk of colon, can colon cancer, 
Um, the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition suggests that the isothionates, which are compounds primarily found in cruciferous vegetables, have been shown in laboratory studies to possess anti-carcinogenic activity due to the enzymes found within them. So, uh, it also has omega-3s in it, so it's one of those few plant sources that actually has omega-3s in it as well. And like I said before, sephorophane has also been highly linked, whether watercress or broccoli sprouts, to anti-inflammation. So, I'm going to jump into that in a little bit. So, let's take a look at cardiovascular risk factors. So, people who ate a lot of cruciferous vegetables, probably three servings or more a week, had a much lower rate of cardiovascular disease. Also, they had lower rates of LDL and a drop in a 20% drop in fasting blood sugar levels. So, cardiovascular disease sephorophanes is also shown uh, to have a positive effect on aging. Now, there hasn't been a lot of studies on aging yet in people or even in mice yet, but they did do a study on red flower beetles. So these are little beetles and they did a study on them and they increased their lifespan by about 15%. That's a pretty big number if you think about it. Then what's really interesting is they actually had some other ones that they purposely lowered their, uh, their, their, the age they would die and the red blood beetles actually lived something like 30 or 40% longer than the ones that they were actually trying to kill. So that's some really interesting stuff. So that brings us down to, you know, aging. And what, what is aging? Well, the number one predictor of longevity, so how long you're going to live, is how inflamed your body is. And the, the more, the less inflammation you have, the longer that you are supposedly going to live. So the number one thing, if you have a lot of inflammation, you die earlier. So sephorophane is a very powerful suppressor of inflammation, okay? And interestingly enough too, inflammation is also one of the most important predictors of cognitive ability. So if your brain has a lot of inflammation, the chances of you having mental disorders or cognitive issues is going to be pretty high. So this is this is this is like just like I said, guys. This is just like the most amazing stuff. So, anti-cancer, uh, anti-inflammatory, cardiovascular disease, um, targeting um, air pollution, smoke, uh, benzene, acrolein—all these very toxins that are very very predominant, especially if you live in major cities. So, the reason, what the thing, what it does, sephorophane, is NRF2 in normal people. So, in normal people that are they're just not eating a lot of cruciferous vegetables. The average activation of the NRF2 pathway is about, about every 129 minutes. But every 129 minutes, that uh, system gets activated. But the people who eat a lot of sephorophane, what they do is it becomes about every 80 minutes, meaning there is a 61% increase in how often the NRF2 pathway fires. So that pathway, which is you know, causing reactions that are going to help shut down cancer, help shut down inflammation. You are going to be increasing the amount of time that fires by 61%. So again, this is huge news, you know, um, lowers the internal cell damage, which damages telomeres and become non-functional. So this is immune cells, for example. So 
what happens is it's going to lower the damage, the internal cellular damage, which is done to telomeres. You guys all know what telomeres are. Uh, telomeres, you know, th those things you want it anti-aging, all the stuff they put in there is uh, stuff to keep your telomeres healthy. So what happens normally is cancers cause telomeres to become non-functional. And then what this does is this helps to prevent that. So we could take that now. So we've, uh, we've looked at three major things now. Now we're just going to jump into hair loss. So mice, given high amounts of sporophane, honest actually showed hair regrowth in typical um, balding patterns. So the reason why you get the man, especially the male balding pattern is from a buildup of DHT, which is a byproduct of uh, testosterone, dehydrotoxy, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but DHT, D something, 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 testosterone. As a man gets older, usually what happens is the, the DHT starts to build up and then, and that's why I always used to suggest people eat broccoli, broccoli, cabbages, and all that stuff. I, I always thought it was from the I, 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 uh, IC3 or I, I3C, but it looks like it's actually the sulforaphane. So what it does is it actually prevents the DHT, and it's actually been shown to help those pores because what happens is the pores start to close, and they start to shrink. The hair follicle starts to get smaller, gets brittle, and falls off. This actually has shown to start to regrowth the hair and reopen those hair follicles. So there's a really good chance that sephoraphane is going to be used down the road even as a uh, cure to hair loss. Now, let's get into the brain. We, t we kind of touched on the brain at the beginning. So one of the things when you're talking about when people say something affects the brain, had, one of the first things they look at is does this chemical or does this whatever it is does it pass the blood brain barrier because if it doesn't there's no way it can affect the brain and sephoraphane actually does cross the blood brain barrier and it's been shown to improve autistic behavior test scores and can communication so people suffering from autism has been shown to improve their test scores and help with their communication it's been shown to improve scores of cognitive impairment in schizophrenia it's also been highly suggested that it could be used in inflammation. Uh, sorry, not inflammation, in depression. So helping to cure or fight depression. And the reason for this is they have discovered that systematic inflammation in the brain plays a huge role in depression symptoms. So people with chronic depression tend to show inflamed brains. And we talked about it earlier. Sephoraphane is anti-inflammatory in the body, but because it can go through the blood-brain barrier, it can also act as anti-inflammation in the brain. It's been shown to help prevent neurodegenerative diseases. Brain inflammations are also the hallmarks of Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, and Parkinson's disease. So now again, we have a, a number of cognitive diseases that are all based on uh, are all symptoms of an inflamed brain and this helps to keep down the inflammation. It also helps prevent the death of neurons. Okay, So people that have had um, brain, uh, brain injuries such as, you know, let's just say boxers or any kind of acute, uh, acute buildups, it's been also helped to, shown to help them as well to preventing the death of neurons. And um, there's been an increase in certain um, HESHA proteins 
that help prevent the buildup of some of the proteins that are involved in Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and Huntington's. So heat shock proteins have been highly linked. So what they say is, okay, well, people that have Alzheimer's tend to show, or Parkinson's or Huntington's, have this thing called high heat shock proteins. They have high heat shock proteins in the brain. And the uh, sulforaphane has been shown to help to decrease that. So when we're looking at it, you know, there is just an amazing amount of stuff that the sephoraphane does. Um, you know, and then, like I said, you also have the watercress as well. So watercress uh, is high in um, uh, isothionates and the uh, broccoli sprouts are high in isothionates. So, uh, again, guys, like I said, there was a lot of stuff I had to go over and uh, I did ramble a lot. But, you know, you get the idea. Uh, we are talking about... If you want to look at and if you want to call something a superfood, because people really do love to throw that term superfood around, this is actually probably the best, the best example of what would be defined as a superfood. A food that has um, something in it that can activate a system that activates over 200 genes that prevent a number, a number of chronic diseases may you know help decrease a number or even people with cancer help decrease symptoms of cancer help decrease risks of cancer help decrease cardiovascular disease help with brain disorders help with inflammation uh helping regrow your freaking hair so anyways guys i really hope you enjoyed this episode and like i said um really check out dr uh dr Rhonda patrick's uh found my fitness and you can listen to her entire podcast um you can check that out and i think you guys will really like it It was long it was about an hour and an hour and 20 minutes and the second one was over an hour as well so you got about two and a half hours of listening and you'll probably have to listen to it at least three times but uh the fact is when she gets excited about something uh, you know it's a good thing. So, anyways, guys, I would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the uh, Thrive Life Podcast uh, with me, Rural Alexander. And I'll be coming at you again very soon with a- another episode. i got some more great stuff planned for you. So, I will talk to you guys soon.